Yeah. Yeah, that's the way we should do it every time. Uh-huh. Every time we should do the <laughs> the dry the the shadow Patreon. I think that should be our next tier. You know, we only have one tier in Patreon. Like we should just like make a hundred dollar per month tier where before every episode we get a pregame episode specifically <laughs> if they want it, it, only to the hundred dollar patrons if they want to come in and just like listen to this secret episode that only the co-hosts get. Yeah, where we tell uh, all of our best jokes. Uh, yeah. Greg Greg gives the scoop on every famous director in person <laughs> that he's worked with that week. Munya just sits there <laughs> on his on his lavish bed with his stacks of hundreds up to his yes. ears, saying, "I can't hear you. I got too many. <laughs> I got too many stacks in my hand right now." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah th- that's where the real money is. So. I, d- I do a new gold chain reveal. <laughs> yeah, every time. Yeah, yeah. We, they find out that the, uh, that our, our favorite New York jeweler is actually on the show. We just yeah. always start too late, so he has to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get we get tracks uh, on every episode. Tracks, you know, he's, he's in the he's, house. He's a busy man. He can it's, only stay on for so long. Hold on, Moody. Let's get a quick tracks update. Is tracks still doing his news uh, feed? His little news oh, report? Yeah, actually, yeah. No, he is. Yeah, let's see. Let's see the latest on um. On, on tracks because he is he is still at it. He it's funny like for I don't follow him on TikTok, but he showed up on my for you page, um, which was hilarious today for the they first got time. Your number. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. that they, they they know me. All right, um, the latest post on tracks news at tracks underscore news is the next ten years. Hell yeah! Well. Let's save it. That will definitely be a future episode where we just go over the future. We we listen to Trax's predictions about the future. Yeah, um, like says an update on what your next ten years is going <laughs> to yeah. look like with envir- <laughs> with the environmental and economic crisis that will continue in our future. Let us know what you think in the comments below. Oh, oh my God, hold on. That is a whole episode. You saved that. I'm going to watch the <laughs> yeah. shit out of that. Uh, Hell yeah. Tracks the jeweler, <laughs> lays out the environmental crisis for us, gives us the landscape of the future today. Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's going to rule. Hey, welcome back to mechanical freak a podcast uh that we do guys i've been working all wait it's monday shit um yeah i already took my melatonin sorry oh no (laughs) fuck (laughs) why do we always start so late (laughs) oh so greg had to do a day of work this week and apparently hey, this is laid him last out week i've been working for weeks on end you understand that's uh, what people call greg. yes this is what people call their adult life greg yeah. you understand that right <laughs> it's like, damn this. <laughs> damn this adult shit crazy <laughs> uh. no you know no, story of my you. life i'm always you know when i'm when i'm not working I'm stressing about that when I'm working. I'm too tired to stress about anything else. I'm I'm zapped, man. Well, I think Karl Marx said that in Capital. That's the direct pull, I think. <laughs> he said, uh, people working too much, they're zapped, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that's his thing on the eight hour day. It's, it's a very short chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. work fucking eight hour days. So, I mean, most yeah, of Greg the time. works six hour days. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> I worked, I worked like 14 hours Friday and only well, 10 today. Greg, luckily for you, uh, you know, is it IATSE or whatever? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we'll fix that for you. Now they're gonna. You are gonna be a free rider on this as a non-union member, but maybe the union will come in and save you. We'll see. I think so. So that they did have. I mean, at last I saw the their uh, strike authorization vote was had like ninety percent turnout and mm-hmm. passed with like ninety eight point some percent Insane. voted to strike. That's a pretty solid stress test. Um, this we talked about this like we've talked about this multiple times on the show. We did like months ago when these stories started coming up. You know, I was talking about how 
uh, how the new media contracts are this bullshit that's been around for 20 years that was a way for streaming platforms to get out of like the 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 main contracts that every TV and movie was operating on until then. And they're finally going to do it. They're going to strike from that shit. Well, it won't affect anything I'm doing because it won't there. The strike uh, that was authorized won't apply to uh, commercial work. But like SNL is going to like stop <clears throat> after just like starting that. No, that's actually a special. I saw that. That's a special strike demand that SNL has to go off the air if they win the strike. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah to stop making episodes. Well, I was uh, against the union before, but now I'm all in, baby. <laughs> but this is, I don't know. I think the way they're looking at it from talking to people is like, this is the, this is the most egregious hole in the, uh, in the union contracts is this giant loophole that means these, these, contracts for shit like netflix shows and everything else that's on like comes to you not over like uh terrestrial uh mm-hmm. broadcast or the uh, fucking movie theater that's this is it's the big hole you know so they're gonna if they can get uh this like done away with and bring all those under the main contract then that gives them that's a place to go from the future to improve conditions otherwise, you know? Yeah. Um, and the worst conditions are on these, of uh, these new media contracts. So it varies across from, you know, whatever producer to producer. I mean, like, you know, uh, the company, whatever, whether it's, you know, Netflix or Hulu or whatever, um, to, and show to show, but like, because these contracts aren't as strong as the general contract, they're where shit is pushed to the limits. That said, yeah. I worked on awful shows that had insanely long hours with long, like out of zone commutes, uh, oh, that were on fucking regular old cable or something, you know? So, um, yeah. but if they do this, if they do this strike and it's successful and they basically do away with the new media contract, that will by like patching up this like a uh, very uneven hole they will um be in a position to maybe you know in a year like make some more demands you know well the thing is though if they win this have we thought about the ramifications in new media uh will hassan have to remove a story from his house yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't think he's uh i don't think he's union. he might be sag <laughs> um, wouldn't it be funny if Hassan was just the president of SAG yeah like, uh, is, is Twitch unionized have we de- have we decided this yet is this uh, do we know no but no Brian they're they're the bourgeoisie according to Twitter so they can't be yeah. because no. they're not workers they're they're actually the, the ruling class you know I had a friend one time they were telling me that they were riding on the bus in uh, Seattle and they were listening in on this conversation, these two guys that were sitting a couple of seats in front of them. One of them was very patiently explaining to the other one who seemed, you know, maybe a little suspicious or something that in the Illuminati New World Order, that Jay-Z was actually higher than Obama. Yeah, but what they didn't yeah. get to explain, because my friend had to get off the bus, what they didn't hear is that the uh, next level up is actually PewDiePie. So, yeah. <laughs> no. that's, so that's why PewDiePie that's... could have so many heated gaming moments. <laughs> it never PewDiePie gets canceled. Too powerful. Runs. Yeah, right. I mean, you, you wonder why PewDiePie doesn't get canceled for having heated gaming moments because he actually runs the cabal is <laughs> by the way I, I feel like i don't this is such a world i don't know anything about is pewdiepie still famous or no uh i i would we'll have say yes. to imagine he is uh but like even if he's not he, he he was like just like by far the most famous you know like yeah. these people regardless on if they're like washed or not just have this half-life um, like even if their channel isn't like growing as fast as it used to, or like maybe someone like Ninja, right, is like more mm-hmm. in favor. Um, you know, they're they're always gonna be around. I mean, like fucking like Philip DeFranco is still doing his thing. Like, I mean, like a YouTube like day one guy who like 
tell commentates on the news, you know, like he he's yeah. still doing his thing, even though he's like well past like his <laughs> personally, in my opinion, you know, I mean, no offense to any Philip DeFranco. And I don't think anyone who watches Philip DeFranco. Well, everybody knows we get us, our but... YouTube news from tracks, the jeweler. So, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. we're exactly. not Philip. Tracks <laughs> surpassed uh, Philip DeFranco as no. a, the number one newscaster <laughs> on this is video an element. Media. This is an element of neoliberalism that has long fascinated me, which is that once something is established, like it, it truly will never die. Uh, yeah. Or, or very rarely, like anything that was a fad, like, like a, even a weird, like, uh, random niche fad one year, like will continue to be produced. Um, and just, uh, be around for decades even though no one's talking about it anymore like any kind of product i mean it's like with tv shows that were hits like one year and then they just made them keep making them for 20 years you know yeah it all just sticks around yeah i mean there's shows i guarantee if you turn on to cbs right now there's shows that will boggle your mind that a they're still on and uh have like a million views i think part of it is that they've just under you know under the modern era, they've perfected niche marketing and they've been able to keep things alive zombie like by just, you know, clawing into a, a certain base number of viewers, purchasers, whatever yeah. Yeah. to uh, stick around. Well, speaking of labor in uh, neoliberalism, uh, the September jobs report came out and uh Turns out, uh, eight real million hot people. Ticket, huh? <laughs> yeah, real hot ticket. I always watch that, you know, because our <laughs> uh, podcast stock portfolio depends on market movements from the job report. So that's <laughs> exactly. why I it's care booming. About it. It's a the Biden boom. We're getting the Biden <laughs> boom. Is that it? No, not so much a Biden boom. Now, of course. We all were very much expecting this to happen because, of course, in August, they very cruelly kicked millions of people off of unemployment. But well, we knew that we had we to. Might, yeah, we had to do that. I we mean, as to. cruel as it is, it's necessary no to, to get the economy going. Yeah, because they wouldn't go to work. And it turns out that that is actually how the world works and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when the carrot for, doesn't work, this, you know, uh, bring in the stick. So this is... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the, the People's Policy Project. A nice short article here. Uh, it says, 8 million removed from unemployment insurance, only 194,000 new jobs created. A devastating September for unemployed workers. That's me. It me, guys. It me. I was kicked <laughs> off of unemployment. I went from getting uh, extended and uh, additional employment to zero Zero, because despite the fact that I have dutifully taken every job that has come along through all of COVID, I naturally did not make enough hours in any of those quarters to qualify for fucking unemployment. So now that the extension's over, I've said this already on the show, but like, that's how it works. Like, I took every yep. job. I took every job that came along <laughs> in my in my field. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I applied for jobs every week in my field. Yeah, it almost makes you feel like they uh, set this up so that (laughs) people wouldn't get it. Uh, So let's look through this. So by the way, the 194,000 new jobs is uh, the lowest of the year as far as jobs added monthly. Uh, Devastatingly low. Yeah, it's a very bad jobs report. So let's go ahead and read through this article. The down bad, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but do we know if the Grimes Must News affected that? No, this is pre-Grimes Must News, so we know that's not a factor either. Yeah. This is for the whole month of September, right? Or is it the quarter? Yeah, this is September. This is for September. So, on September 6th, pandemic unemployment benefits were eliminated across the entire country. As a result, 8 million people were removed from the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program and the Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation Program and thus saw their benefit incomes drop to zero. That's Greg. That's me. The the stated (laughs) purpose of cutting these benefits was to get people back to work. The idea was that pandemic unemployment benefits... I mean, in my case, like, my um, benefits went off, like, and I have been working, like, every week since. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, you know, I guess it works. Well, 
in in a market kind of like we've had during the pandemic where work has been very off and on for a lot of reasons in a lot of sectors, sometimes because of the uneven supply chain, sometimes just because of the fact that one week, you know, your state governor might say, hey, we're all open for business. Everybody go back to work. And then a week mm-hmm. later say, turns out we're not open for business. Everybody go away from work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's uh, I think a lot of people have been in your spot, Craig. I, I don't think that's unique. Yeah, for me, um, I think it's like has to do with pent up demand for the commercials that uh, that we de- that society desperately needs. Um, to, to, to <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you, Greg. To Braver than the troops who do the Lord's work. Yeah, yeah you're interrupting your YouTube Greg. videos. <laughs> you got to have these commercials. Um, and but I think also once like since the summer, it's been busy here, and it's real busy now. And I I suspect it's because. And the back of a lot of the clients and ad agencies' minds, they're like, oh, shit, man, COVID's going to be bad again this fall. And then they will get some states will shut our fucking productions down. And like, uh, so they're trying to cram them in before the shit hits the fan. So and they're doing it in places like Seattle, which like has really good, you know, vaccination and COVID numbers. So, yeah. The idea was that pandemic unemployment benefits have been keeping people from accepting jobs and that cutting the benefits would therefore result in large employment gains, which I think is like worth just taking a second and basically being this the whole thing. Well, for two years now, the federal government, the media, like everybody who has any sort of microphone or megaphone in society has literally has been saying and shouting at you. Look, the only way this economic system works is if you turn up the cruelty dial, right? Like if you're yep. if you're cruel to people, they'll never want to work in our awful awful system. Tacit admission on how this whole economic system works. Yeah. Yeah, just a weird truth bomb they've been giving you for 2 years now. So This did not work when half of the states cut pandemic unemployment benefits over the summer, and it did not work in September when they were cut nationwide. According to the September jobs report, employers only added 194,000 jobs last month. This was the worst month of job growth since Biden became president, and the second worst since May of last year when the pandemic labor market recovery began. 194,000 jobs is equal to less than 3% of the people who were removed from UI roles in September. At this rate, it would take three and a half years for jobs added to equal the number of people who lost their pandemic unemployment benefits. By the way, don't worry. It's not like new people are added to the job market all the time. Um, Well, it's not like uh, you're talking about eight million people. Okay, less this 200,000 that just haven't bought anything in a month. Well, let's get to the point. Fucking food aren't going to pay their rent now. Like they're just dying. Just people out there just fucking dying. Well, this gets the point. I think this gets to the root of what people don't understand about how the economy works in America. Uh, particularly a lot of people. Some people in, like, say, Washington, D.C. are cynical, but a lot of them are just fucking stupid. And do legitimately believe, like, oh, the reason why the American economy has all been all fucked up during the pandemic, the reason why uh, there's all these bubbles about to burst all over the place and everybody's terrified uh, is because people just don't got the gumption to go. They don't got the get up and go of a previous no generation to go to get jobs. Anymore. Yeah, no one wants to work anymore. They all spontaneously decided. Uh, has nothing to do with yeah, the pandemic or anything. Just ever. one year decided like, we're never going to work uh, again. I'm sorry, but <laughs> like, I don't know who's like. There's only so many rise and grind people in the world, folks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a job is a job. Well, and they, it's kind of funny because they do sort of uh, again acknowledge our slave masters' heritage of being like. Oh, I, when I come out and I demand that people make me things, they they don't just jump up and do it. Yeah, uh, nobody wants to work anymore. Again, where's my cruelty? But where's the yeah, cruelty dial? The I can turn that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you can imagine in their heads being like, you know, instead of like, you know, are there no workhouses? It's just like, are there no whips? <laughs> are there no posts? I like, mean, it's literally, <laughs> you know, I think connecting it is. Uh, it's not even a stretch. It's legitimate. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're gonna talk about this in ending the myth. It's. Uh, 
you know, the connection between chattel slavery and the capitalism, especially even now today, is, you know, a mutation of another form of slavery. It's the same oppressive system. It's, you know, master, slave, employer, employee, those, those two people on uh, different sides of that coin. Um, it, it's an oppressor, um, oppressed dynamic. So, you know, especially in America, that uh, comes in the form of our legacy of chattel slavery and the cruelty that um, was required for it to work. And the same thing Mm -hmm. with capitalism, cruelty and oppression is required for the system to operate. And whether these cruel tactics work or not, that is just the master's impulse. Brian and Munya, what you call cruelty, some dipshit calls incentive. Yeah. 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 And and I think that's the thing is that the... You know, throughout this, I think, Greg, you've been the one really like hitting this uh, this note or whatever is that like, you know, we didn't have to do uh, the pandemic the way we did. We didn't have to like tell everybody, oh, you've all lost your jobs. Now you're on unemployment. Right. You could have just maintained everybody's job and just paid them to stay home. There was lots of things that other countries did. Right. But the problem is, is that America's system of labor control is based, its root was in slavery, right? So it has affected, like there's a very particular genealogy of American labor control. Mm-hmm. And the mindset is always one of punishment. And I think that there are a lot of people in D.C., there's a lot of, you know, business owners, etc., who are kind of scratching their head and going like, well, we hit the cruelty button and the job, job, job didn't go up. What's the problem here? <laughs> And, you know, as you kind of hinted at, Greg, uh, yeah, nobody's buying anything. The actual like motor of the American economy its consumption. If people are too poor that they can't afford to fucking consume their basic necessities of life, which is what that unemployment was sustaining for millions of fucking people. Like, yeah, the economy is going to take a fucking hit. That's the all. Most people in America are poor. You this economy runs on consumption, but like the luxury consumption of a, a, a small class of wealthy people isn't enough to keep it going. Most Wait, you're people saying are that just Trax's rolly market is uh, <laughs> is, is <laughs> yeah, not right? going to save our consumer spending. Yeah, like, uh, inflation in the rolly market is not enough. <laughs> we, most people are out there just buying their fucking peanut butter and jelly at Walmart to survive, you know, like that's, that's it. That's what keeps the whole fucking thing going. And fuck man. Like, I mean, there it's complicated, right? Like on some level, like, yes. So I think people did have rearranged their fucking lives because our system shot itself in the face. Our, our economic system just responded to the pandemic by nuking itself instead of keeping people attached to their jobs, all these, this web of economic connections that allows the whole thing to move. They just shattered it for half the country and expect it to go back together when like, yeah, people did like people aren't willing to take the same kind of shit jobs because they've already had to do other things to survive in the meantime there, you know, a lot of people aren't paying rent anymore because they were fucking evicted and they're now they're out on the goddamn street. So what good does it do them to take a fucking, you know, whatever it is, eight 25, uh, an hour fast food job in fucking Nebraska, you know, or if you live in a, at a state that hasn't, uh, evicted everybody yet, you might be seven, eight months or more mm-hmm. late on your rent. And I'm sorry, getting a minimum wage job right now is not going to allow you to pay that back rent. Like, you know, so what's the point? No, you're you kidding. You're going to be out you of know? your It's You're going to be out of your house yeah. that you're basically now squatting in. And that's how you're going to get evicted, you know, or yeah. like we've just said before, you've moved back. Huge millions of people have moved back in with their fucking parents. Families have consolidated. We, the, the, Nuclear family is is uh you know at on death's door, um, and like so why would you go back to that shit? Like it doesn't serve you. Childcare uh is insanely expensive, and it costs more than a lot of jobs pay. Like it's pretty simple calculation, 
And it's like, I, I, we've come, this is all stuff we've said before, but it's like before the economy took this, this kind of hit, this most recent like crisis that had this such this like psychological effect where like so much shit was shut down. You know, the last uh, major crisis cycle, you know, over a decade ago hit like certain like low, low wealth homeowners, the hardest, and then like, uh, industries across like a broad swath in a very like diverse way as the economy like contracted in general. But this was like this like raw like psychic trauma of the shutdowns re- that directly related to like immediate layoffs and all this shit. And people people stop believing the bullshit, right? Like there I think in the in the America before, in the economy before, an American lots of Americans might actually take a job that paid less than their childcare cost because they thought that's what you have to do to get somewhere better. I have to take this insanely shitty job that pays, you know, seven twenty five an hour, and I need to pay eleven dollars an hour for childcare. Mm-hmm. But that's worth it because it's going somewhere. It's an investment. It's like fucking education. It's like going a hundred thousand dollars in debt uh, on student loans. You're looking at this like an economic ladder you're climbing that you got to start somewhere. And that's what every fucking thing is telling you. And so, yeah, you might take these fucking dog shit jobs for dog shit pay that is making you poorer to do them. It's taking up all your time. It's ruining your health. And it is literally costing you more in your car and your commute and your fucking childcare than it does. than you make it the fucking job. You maybe took that job because that's what the fuck you were supposed to do and i think that is like a level of labor discipline that was achieved in the last 40 years of like Mm -hmm. austerity and and like i think for a lot of people that's broken like they're just looking at the basic math and going like fuck it like i just need to find i just need to be homeless i just need to live with my mom in the basement and you know if something better comes along i'd take that yeah, I mean the distance between you know your entry level wage and what it's going to take to achieve your goal or dream or whatever the American dream of owning a house or whatever is becomes the chasm has become so huge that nobody believes it's yeah. possible anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, look at look at how right like if you're not working toward if you're like okay, I'm paying rent now and I've got this this shit job, but I'm going to get the promotion in a few years. I'm going to go and I'm going to own a house and then I will build wealth. So this is all leading somewhere. No, it's yeah. not. No one thinks. How could you possibly think that you can't get into the housing market? It's too fucking expensive. Yeah. And you can't like at the same time, your wages are shrinking. All the housing costs are exploding. Like, what do you like? How is that going to work? Well, and there's no job that you can get, say, in Seattle that like realistically you're going to be able to hold that job pay your $1,700, $1,800 a month in rent and buy a uh, one-bedroom, 600-square-foot house for $5 million <laughs> you yeah. know, down the road. Now, just to give the kind of historical perspective, I mean, this question of like, okay, so we know this kind of shit doesn't really work, like that just throwing people off unemployment doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take, like, because the, the other part about this is there's just no jobs. Like, that's that's the other thing. It's like this idea yeah. that employees are offering jobs every team is actually just a lie. Yeah. But, um, part of the reason why people believe that, though, including the people making decisions, including what you might call the ruling class, is ideology, right? And in, in the past, we've seen this, you know, in the Great Depression, you know, Hoover wasn't going to do anything because the worst thing he could do is run up deficits, Roosevelt came in and he basically he allowed himself to get convinced by the Keynesians that like, no, you got to prime the pump. Just give money to people just for any reason. Just throw money at people. They'll spend it in the economy to help get it going again. He did it for two years. There was a bit of an economic recovery. Then all of a sudden, the uh, you know devil on his shoulder was like, but the deficits. And after the, the 34, <laughs> exactly, the 34 midterms, he then started cutting back and the economy tanked again. Right. And. The thing is, even though it was obvious what needed to be done, it was obvious that there needed to be more money invested and things like that, he just couldn't see it. Now, 
Skip, that was somebody who's mentally more capable of, the, of for the situation, right? Like more flexible and all that for the situation. Scoot all the way up to 2008. I mean, Obama never considered for a second giving anybody any money. The economy was, the 2008 crash was always going to be, you know, the money was going to go to the banks and it was going to be done on the backs of everybody else. And what we had was just a lost decade, you know, where job growth stagnated, wages stagnated, uh, you know, home ownership rates collapsed, which, you know, is a sign of where the economy is in America. And it was basically because he just told everybody like, no, sorry, your job now pays half as much. Them's the rules. Sorry. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the banks tank the economy. So now you just get less money. And you know, he collapsed the wealth of some of the poorest communities in America and they just never recovered. And again, everybody's looking around saying like, but how could that, you know, they sit around and go, well, that doesn't make any sense because if we took all their money, they're supposed to become even harder workers. And that of course leads to more money. <laughs> but yeah, that's just not how the, not how it works, right? The capitalists can't save themselves. Destitute class. No, and they'll never save themselves. The, mm-hmm. like, you, the, oppress, the oppressors will never be the ones to liberate themselves or liberate the oppressed. It always has to come from the actual oppressed class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when you reach like the, like when we like hit the end of history, quote unquote, in like the 1990s, you know, um, that's kind of like what you, uh, the wall that you run into at the end is this like mm. just downward infinite crisis, uh, that cannot be resolved. And instead of like having a semblance of the government, at least controlling that fall, I'm going to just drop the rock. Which was not just him; it was the whole class, um, you know, of people who were yeah. doing it. But I mean, yeah, it was an acceleration of what has been happening and what these people have wanted and have been actually salivating for for thirty years. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, there's no president in the last fifty years that would have done anything different than Obama did. <laughs> like, it, 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 and that there's was, only one, McCain would have yeah. done the same thing had he won in '08. Like, it, 30, there was no 30, way out of this. Thirty, and that, it's just like the direction the puck was heading, um, no matter what. And so, um, if you're if you're under neoliberalism and you want to prop up this neoliberal system, like both McCain and Obama and like everyone, you know, in uh, the establishment in DC wanted to do, um, that's just the logical next step. It's just like no more treats. Like we're done. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Carter would have well, done the same thing. Nixon, oh, yeah. uh, who knows? Uh, yeah. Carter did the same thing and yeah. he literally created a recession <laughs> in order to uh, <laughs> essentially move wealth upwards they yeah. basically said you know what american middle class is getting too well off yeah yeah literally that they had to revise their expectations downwards yeah i mean the problem with neoliberalism is basically that there is no dial to turn for the capitalist class other than we'll just immiserate people at the bottom more and give that money to the wealthy and that just prolongs the problem but Going from uh, one labor shortage to another labor shortage, one jobs report to another jobs report. We had a story in the New York Post that I thought would be good for you guys. Oh, a New York story. Yeah, I know we normally cover Seattle, the Seattle beat, but we got we got Munya on. And we're trying to go national. Yeah, we got to take it to the Big Apple, you know, Mm -hmm. to your neighborhood. Uh, this story, uh, this is from a couple days ago. Is we found it uh, in you know Munia's uh, the paper Munia subscribes to and reads with his coffee in the morning. Yeah, no, I mean it, it is literally like my bodega, um, just like down uh, on my block, is a subscriber to the uh, New York Post. So, oh yeah. There's there's more uh, Post and Daily News readers in New York than there are Times readers, to be sure. By I a significant okay, margin. Okay, so I mean, not no no humble brag here, but my mom's film East of the Mountains was um, featured in the print version of the New York Times. Uh, it was reviewed by them, and I was like trying to find an actual like print version of it. And you know, the New York Post, the New York Daily News, they were like everywhere in like the bodegas. I was so hard to find the fucking New York Times in New York. I literally yep, was searching everywhere York and I could not find it. I finally found it and it was just on the floor in this random bodega. A cat was sitting on it. I had to like like get it 
like away from the cap. And this like cashier, like this like the 13 year old man in the cashier, he looks at the paper, he looks me dead in the eye, deadpan, completely serious, and is like, Oh my gosh, this is just like in the movies. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah, like the like the crime and detective movies when they're, they're like disguising themselves and they have to put up that sheet of paper. Like that's just like that. Oh my god! Completely serious. And I was it's like, amazing. holy shit, man! Just sell me this Times paper so I like need to run out of here. I'm never showing my face here again. This is embarrassing. Oh my god! Yeah, that is <laughs> you, embarrassing. You, you bought the failing New York Times. Yeah, you, uh, New York Times. You heard it here first, listeners. Invest in the New York Times now. It's doing great. Yeah. So this article uh, is titled, oh my God, fuck the New York Post's website. This article is titled, Oh, cursed. Seattle could fire 40% of police force over COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Oh, the Post <laughs> threatening us with a great time. <laughs> Seattle's already depleted police department is bracing uh-huh. for another setback. Yeah, point of order here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the city is poised to fire as many as 403 officers, about 40% of the 1,000 person force. Thanks for the math. <laughs> for failing Damn. to take yeah, for failing to take the COVID-19 jab by an October 18th deadline according to local reports. And this is uh the real the real bit right here. Quote the environment has been pretty toxic and negative, an unarmed officer told Fox 13 News. Not just from this whole mandate, but prior to that as well. I'm not sure this would be a good place for me to work long term for my mental health. It has been very stressful. Uh, fuck off. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Uh, please uh, get COVID and die. Or, yeah, quit your job, yeah. whatever. Oh, hold on, like, hold on. Yes, yes, yes. Do not quit your job. Get COVID and die, actually. Yeah, seriously, like, whatever. Dude, did you guys hear last week they had one of those idiot fucking funerals where all the cops get dressed up and play bagpipes like fucking oh, dorks God. and like march oh, around? No. Salute because, in the white gloves. Yeah, because an SPD cop died. I was an SPD cop based on Washington State Trooper. One of them just died of COVID. And I was like... Oh, oh they had to have a I, whole parade over that shit. Because no cops actually die. No cops actually get killed by anybody, happen. right? Fucking so, die. Because it doesn't happen, you have to just make shit up. And so in this case, it's like, oh, yeah, one of our idiot you get cops all the photographs, refused. like, yeah. you know... Yeah, and you get to say, oh, what a dangerous job. And it's like, <laughs> you did that. You, you did it to yourself. You just killed yourself. You you literally were the mark in a death cult. And yeah. you just like die. You're the Eric Andre meme, you know? You're like, who did yeah. this? Who yeah, killed this yeah, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. My okay, God. so like as you know, okay, we know cops, SPD is no different. They're totally politicized reactionaries like it's a fucking weird like warrior cult and because it's right wing the anti-vax stuff has gotten all wrapped up in that they're defending their liberty i guess not getting the vaccine whatever even talking about all that shit's boring like but the the real question is like is any are any of them gonna quit or lose their job well, let's hear some numbers. So a total of 292 officers had yet to provide proof of COVID vaccination as of October 6th, the station We're reports. Still got a week. In addition, 111 officers are awaiting the results of exemption requests, said Seattle PD spokesperson Sergeant Randy Husrook. I'm going to tell you right now, everyone who did the fucking minuscule step the out the uh, the the little fucking paper pushing out of filling out the uh exemption request is going to get approved yeah yeah and they'll get approved on october 18th though they are going to wait to the last minute but they'll probably approve all of them yes they're going to wait to the last minutes because they want to yeah get more people to get it these holdouts the last 200 some are either going to get it or uh, fill out that fucking piece of paper when it, you know, uh, this, 
Cops are so fucking dumb. It's like every time we talk about shit going on in the city with SPD, it's like they don't understand that the city is just begging them to let them help them. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, the Mayor Jenny, they, you know, it's just basically saying like, we will literally bend over backwards to do whatever you want. But like, there is a larger thing going on here that is like, we're requiring, (laughs) we have to require all city personnel to do this. We're literally going to let you not do it. We just can't say that, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. Well, Some I may th- quit. Some may quit. But I'll tell you this. They, these fucking whiny, fucking crybaby pigs do hate working in Seattle. They do hate that, you know, uh, the, uh, like, unwashed urban hordes question their authority to any degree. They'd rather go like uh, push around some other chuds in the suburbs. And, you know, to that effect, like last year, like they had a larger than normal attrition rate and what lost like over 100 officers compared to like maybe the 50 they would normally do. I I believe in the article they say they lost 300. Now, I mean, part of that, though, we have to put a little caveat on is that the city because of budgetary reasons because of covid also was just not hiring as well like so yeah. previously you would have lost a certain amount and hi- rehired a certain amount mm-hmm. but that just wasn't happening so you know how much and higher so, than regular attrition who knows there's a bunch of officers who probably are going to be in the you know the most sort of obnoxiously reactionary ones politicized ones who are have been like biding their time like thinking about quitting leaving spd for uh, over a year now and they might take this opportunity to do it or play it out because they don't care about losing their job play it out and see what happens for the fun of it you know just to own mm-hmm. the libs or something you know and see themselves get fired um but i don't even see that happening yeah i mean interestingly we'll, we'll throw this out to you guys let's say the the was it 290 plus or whatever who are just refusing to do it Let's say they just continue to refuse to do it and October 18th comes. Mm-hmm. What do you think, percentage-wise, what do you think the chances are the city actually acts on that and fires them? Zero. Five. First thing that'll happen is... 5%. You got the high number. What, I, what, what I gives you such high. confidence five in our city? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the chance is like 5%. But it's a 95% chance they do nothing. 5%, <laughs> I can see... Um, in this like 40 chest way it's like completely by accident right but the end result would be there is like mayor Gen- you know how like when you get in trouble as a kid your mom will be like or you know your parent will be like okay well i guess i'm gonna do this thing that i actually really don't want to do and i'm not gonna <laughs> do right i'm gonna do it now and they like mm-hmm. you know like either like you're know, they're trying to open the door um you know I I'm think they're generally like accidentally, yeah, count, yeah I'm yeah. counting to five, like four, four and a half, four and three quarters. Mm-hmm. Mayor Jenny accidentally like hits five by like filing the papers as like I'm counting to five type thing, but then forgets to like withdraw them. And so just like the automated system, then like from the <laughs> two week payroll cycle, just like, you know, considers them terminated and they just fire them uh. accidentally. Um, I think that that there's like a 5% chance that that happens. Yeah, yeah, I think, but that's I the only the way. Actual is by accident. I don't think yeah, that yeah. ever happened on purpose. I, I don't <laughs> think anyone in this city or any other city in America is going to accidentally fire a fucking cop um, because, like, everything, it, every structure in law enforcement is like built like to prevent that from happening. I don't think. I think when we're when we're talking <laughs> about like the cops possibly getting fired when they're they're the New York post is saying like, Oh, they might fire them. What they mean is like, there's an obvious like uh conflict that arises in the future where these uh, cops are not, you know, complying openly, not complying with a serious uh, health order from the city. Not that the city has said we will fire them, you know, just like there is an obvious conflict here. There's no paperwork that's been filed. There's no real, direct threats that are being made like Mm -hmm. all that's going to happen on the 18th is 
they're going to announce that they've approved those hundred and some uh, waivers. And then they're going to extend the deadline on the waivers. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're all going to turn them in. End of story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't hold out hope, although I do think that the funniest thing would be after a year of whining and pissing and moaning about oh the city the the radical Maoist city council is going to reduce <laughs> our budget and all this going to reduce our budget by fifty percent. It would be funny if SPD did it to themselves. Like if they just, it would be funny. Like it would, yeah, we just don't live in a world that's going to give us that result. I feel it's really like. it's going to be depressing though when SPD all these two hundred some officers like serve themselves up on a fucking platter to the city. Mm-hmm. That supposedly uh, already defunded the police and is, you know, hell bent on doing that. Uh, and they still can't manage to get it done. No. Well, I mean, this gets to kind of the point of why it's funny. This is sort of in the New York Post, which is, as we talked about before, I mean, Seattle has become the avatar of uh, liberalism run amok in America of the Mark, the, the Marxist Bidenists uh, taking over <laughs> and the damage it causes. And it will be funny because ultimately, yeah, nothing. They're not firing 400 cops. So. Of course, there'll never be a story in the New York Post that says, oh, that fear mongering story we did about how the communists in Seattle are about to fire all these cops. Uh, it turns out not a single cop got fired and the police just do whatever they want and they just rule the city. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like we're Literally not going to get that. Literally rule our whole life. Like, it's so yeah. embarrassing, man. Like, this, I, like on if you like look at a food chain, like you, you got to put police like on, like ahead of like the executive branch of the city of Seattle. Well, I think this gets to a point that we've talked about on the show before, which is you've armed all these cops, you've given them all these weapons, you let them do whatever they want. Um, you know, what do you do if they don't want to do something, right? Like, what do you do if they don't want to take orders? Now, we know in serious cases, like if there was an actual threat to the power of capital in any city, the police would, no matter what city officials said, the police would just start killing people. Like, they, they, I mean, they would just become death squads in the street, as has happened in the United States, as, you know, happened in Egypt, Interior Square, et cetera, right? Like, just this is the what happens, right? But the interesting thing is the as the culture war heats up is they might just start like actively being like, uh, sorry, we make our own, like, like, I mean, just openly saying we, uh, don't actually have to listen to anybody in city government, mm-hmm. uh, on anything. Uh, that might just become uh par for the course of like anything you ask the police to do. And they're just saying, no, sorry, we don't do that. And I, I am kind of curious. That. We've seen that in this city, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've seen it. It's it's been like somewhat been behind ephemeral. closed doors it's and been like behind it's, closed yeah. doors. It's been in instances, but yeah, ongoing con uh, like crises of uh, of authority. Yeah, uh, I think well, we're th- probably heading for that. Well, yeah, and I I think we're building to some. Or there I mean, is- it's not going because in every case in every city, this the cities will the city back gives down. In. Right. But so you don't have so it, be, it continues to be these ephemeral moments, you know, but because the city always backs down, I do think we are hitting this qualitative change in the police where it's not just that they are in practice a uh, essentially lawless like group of bandits for the capitalist class. Right. That's not just like a thing that they do. It'll also be very clearly something they are like the appearance will also be that like the essence and appearance are merging, mm-hmm. right? Like we're giving up on even the facade of democratic rule in any in any real way and just giving into the reality of naked force. Well, that, that and, veil certainly fell away for, I think, some on mm-hmm. some level for some large number of Americans last year, you know, just inundated with the video after video of cops just acting like absolute psychos. And then hearing, you know, even one or two news stories about them doing something completely insane in their own city. And I'm, you know, that has an effect. Yeah. I mean, did you guys just get a little reaction from you guys? Did you guys see the video that's now come out of the Minneapolis PD driving around in a Mark van talking about how they're going to be hunting people and just shooting people with fucking uh, rubber bullets out of the the back of their van? Random people. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that is. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I mean, wait, I mean, wait, look, wait. Was that the we same? We saw other videos like, like that last year in real time. You know. Yeah. Sorry, Ooh, buddy. Ahead, wait. What was that the same one as? I remember, like, I think it was a, an American police department where they were like driving around like masked up in unmarked uh, vans, like just like shooting rubber bullets, like at like less lethal um, at people, yeah. and like I think they were actually like shot at. Like they pulled up on some people, uh, like at a parking lot, and then like they like mm-hmm. shot back, and then they like started charging at them and stuff. Like, yeah, was, so yeah, yep. this, yeah, this is why this all came out. Is so this was Minneapolis PD during the okay. curfew, and uh, you know, and they were actively discussing how they were out hunting people and hunting activists and all this kind of shit. And there was some guy who was guard, guarding his convenience store, you know. Uh, so he's out there with like a rifle from guarding it from looters or whatever. Mm. And the the Minneapolis PD just drove by and shot him from the fucking van. So he just opened up on them, just started shooting <laughs> at the fucking van. And the police beat the living shit out of him, arrested him. And we're going to put him in jail for attempted murder of a cop. Like, I mean, they wanted to put him in jail for 60 years. And in the court and basically in the case this video footage all came out, right? And, of course, you know, the guy has since been acquitted, but the video footage is now... We would... I mean, key point here, had that not happened, had that event not happened, had this not gone to court, had this guy not been able... Had this guy had a public defender... Had he just been shot? Had he just been killed? We would have... he didn't just get shot and killed, honestly. I mean, you know... The police kill an inordinate amount of people, right? But they don't kill everybody they interact with. Sometimes they beat the shit out of you. Sometimes they rape you. Sometimes they fucking, you know, follow your family and just fucking stalk you for months on end, right? And put the fear of God in you and all this kind of shit, right? I mean, there's a whole, there's like whole levels of all this shit. And, you know, they, there was like six cops there and they just fucking ganged up on and beat the living shit out of them. You can find fucking uh, pictures of it. And um, the thing was, is that, like I said, that video existed. All that audio existed. Everybody in the police department saw it. Everybody in the city saw it. All that kind of stuff. All the DA and stuff in the area saw it. None of that would have ever come out. They would have all covered it up and hidden it because that shit exists in every city. All that footage exists in every city. They would have fucking hidden it and you would never fucking seen it had this not gone to court. Right. And the thing is that used to be how you would find out this like juicy information about cops. You'd have to wait till something actually went to trial. But I think we're kind of hitting this new era where the police realize there's nothing they can do that they'll be punished for. Mm -hmm. Like nothing's too brazen. Nothing's too upfront. Nothing's too obvious. And uh, I, I think they, like I said, I think the, the essence and the appearance are merging. (laughs) With the police. <laughs> That's their reaction to being to the pushback, right? Is to say, like, you know, is to be aggrieved that you would even suggest they should be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. does that mean? What does that mean if a person's thinking that? It means when they're out doing this stuff, they're thinking, like, I, I'm not skirting a line here that I might get held accountable. It would be ridiculous and completely out of order if I was punished or constrained from this that's the mindset right it would be completely uh beyond the pale that i would face like uh some kind of discipline for these this violence against the community uh which is why they act so shocked and uh hurt when you actually do try to uh rein them in or prosecute them I'll run one other thing by you. So this week also, I saw this initially on the Divest SPD Twitter account. But uh, yep. yep. And it came and it came out that uh, local SPD officer and Andre Constantine was living a uh, secret double life as Bruce Wayne or at number one Steeler fanatic already. <laughs> Sus at best. Uh, Steelers yeah. fan. Mm. But anyways. I mean, read the room, man. But that's like we're living... that's like some parallel universe Batman co- canon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh but we're uh 
living a double life. I mean, we can get into the psychology of them like uh, naming themselves after a like lawless vigilante, but we're living this double life on Twitter where every time a report, particularly involving Seattle PD, came out about a person being murdered by the police or anything like that, he would just jump in there to say, fuck yeah, you know, got another one, all this kind of stuff. Like, they they had a bunch of the posts. You can see them. I mean, really disgusting shit. And it was, of course, it all this has now come out. SPD has taken in the information and is going to do an investigation but again, Divest SPD wound up pointing out that when SPD said, well, we're definitely going to do an investigation on this whole situation, they pointed out Spog follows this guy. Mike Solon follows this guy. SPD has already knows who this guy is and what he's doing, right? <laughs> Which, again, I think comes back to the idea of like the the open unaccountability is becoming more flagrant in a way. Yeah. This is something that I got hung up on last year was you know, fearing getting to this point uh, where it becomes clear that nothing much was going to come of the uprisings, that we weren't going to seriously curtail power of police anywhere, including SPD, that we weren't going to defund any of these police departments, uh, even by a little. And what that would mean is that this battle was over and that the police said one. And when that happens, that's when fascists are most dangerous. You know, that's when, uh, violent reactionary gangs are going to be at their worst. And I think we're basically at that point now. Um, we've been through that cycle. Everything has petered out at this point. And they're, the cops are looking back on this, seeing that you know one scapegoat uh has bled for their sins in Minneapolis and everything else that has that they've ever done and that my god was captured on video in the summer of 2020 alone has gone completely unpunished even though much of it was seen like around the world mm. uh, imagine the the power of that, you know, the to have now like it, it wasn't clear, like was so the uprisings and all the demands and the political fight over it has been so uh, unclear and hard to pin down. I think it's it's settled out now where I think cops must be saying, oh, the, it's passed. The moment is passed. We won. We did it. Uh, not only are they not defunding us. Though we we can continue to keep complaining that they are, but literally, I was caught on video beating the shit out of someone, firing a fucking, uh, you know, two inch round into someone's face and putting their eye mm. out. Uh, and I'm fine. It's all good. I, I'm aggrieved that anyone even questioned that this was okay, but other than that. My career is great. I'm making good mm. money. I'm still clocking this overtime. Uh, I'm still a holy warrior for the internal empire. And yeah. I think that's fucking dangerous as hell. Uh, yeah. I think this is... I think... You know, I... I, I don't want to speak demons into existence, but... Um, it's not good, man. It's not good. Well, I think the complexities of sort of right wing ideology have to be acknowledged, right, in the sense that while simultaneously the police are more evidently, uh, you know, untouchable than ever, right? Like, you know, again, video, how many police departments are there video of the cops just driving their cars through crowds of people and things like that where yeah. literally nothing happened, right? Like everyone um, in America. And so, you know, while they're more evidently untouchable at the same time, the, the, you know, the difficulty of right wing ideology is they also have never been more aggrieved in their lives. Yeah. They've never felt more oppressed. They've never felt mm -hmm. more, you know, whatever, like, and that is a direct relationship. Like the more unaccountable, the more oppressed they feel, the yeah. more they feel they have to act out. 
And the more, yeah, that's a dangerous that is, state. That's a basic contradiction of you know your uh, any fascist thought, and it but it is it is how their minds work. It's also it's simple. Like now, now they have more vendettas. Mm. Yes, they're grieved and that they're whining about how oh they're defunding us. Oh, we feel like we're the troops being spit on. Like nobody appreciates us in Seattle or wherever. <laughs> hey, they are it's, like the troops being spit on, uh-huh, and that they and are that made up. Real. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like, but like, but it's not just that. It's that. Now they yep. have real vendettas against real people. Yeah. They have real vendettas against whole communities. There are cops out there looking for revenge for their aggrievement. And now that that moment has passed, this moment that was unclear to everybody on some level. And I think to some degree, the cops enjoyed reveling in the possibility that they would actually be constrained you know because it's part of this whole like aggrievement and revenge fantasy world that they live in now that that's passed they can move on from worrying like we might be on the back foot here we may have to be playing defense not that they play it very well that's a different story Mm -hmm. to now we have this list of enemies and now we're clearly uh, have the power to exact revenge because who's going to stop us? Yeah. I mean, like this person, I mean, the the Twitter account, which is now uh, deleted, there's a lot of screenshots. You can go check out the thread. I mean, like truly yeah, we'll put just a, we'll like put a link to the thread in the notes. Absolutely. Like disgusting shit. Like, you know, what RAP to uh, summer Taylor, uh, Responding to Seattle Black Collective being like uh, wanting to raise a GoFundMe for uh, the murderer of Summer Taylor, you know, like, I mean, just like reprehensible shit that it's just saying in broad day that the president Mm. of Spog follows. And there's like so I mean, like calling for napalm to be dropped on the chop, you know, Um, just really psycho shit and you only really behave that way when there is you know zero system of accountability and that you just run everything and that's also just like the factor just being a comp too it creates this you know type of um, brain worm for lack of a better word that um you know i mean these people i mean like this person uh, andre uh what's his name andre constantine constantine yeah, so Andre Constantine um, posting gifts of like DJ Khaled popping bottles when someone, uh, you know, gets murdered, like a 30th murder in uh, in Seattle, you know? I mean, it's just like, this is not unique to him. This is seems like it's uh, pretty popular amongst like the Department of Force and probably not unique to Seattle either. This is like a very like mainstream uh, you know, police thought. This is how they actually view the people they quote unquote serve. This is like how mm-hmm. they um, view their relationship to the community, so to speak. And this is how they probably tacitly uh, view their relationship to the government as a whole. That is supposed to be, uh, you know, the oversight or accountability. It's just, it's to me, is very clear like where mm-hmm. they actually know where they stand and what role they play in, you know, the, mm-hmm. the community of cities. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, as always, uh, not good. So, you know, people be careful out there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vote, uh, you know, vote Nikita, vote NTK, make yeah. all these miserable Fox, uh, more miserable. Um, <laughs> you know, let's get that police exodus going. Uh, maybe we should wrap up right there. This episode is we've we've ended on a characteristic, depressing note. <laughs> Classic. All right, reminder: uh, ending the myth still available. Episode uh, three just came out about bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson, the emo <laughs> rock star of the West. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Go check it out. It's uh, Greg Grandin approved. He has approved us on Twitter yes. Uh, yes. via likes and retweets. 
consistently likes and retweets our stuff. So, so we oh, can yeah. say Greg Grandin endorses the podcast uh, yes. wholeheartedly. Everything we say, he agrees with. So he said, "Yes, <laughs> this this is it, Chief." He kept telling us, "No need to be on the show. You guys have already said everything I need yeah. to say." <laughs> <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth so um, that, Rick, uh, that Rick Owens reference I would I I mean I was thinking you know, that but I didn't yeah, have the I never it's like I was thinking it but I didn't have the balls to say it I, you guys you know, did that, when you cut in the um future's mask off acoustic guitar cover after talking <laughs> about the trail of tears uh that that's what I would have done too that's a direct quote from Greg Grandin Pulitzer yeah, Prize winner Take that to the bank. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so make sure you check that out. And, uh, you know, we got a new episode coming out this Sunday. And uh, I don't know, maybe after that Sunday, maybe possibly uh, we'll be available for taking questions uh, on, yeah. on so if you're Twitch. Not, yeah, or Twitch or Discord. Honestly, it might be better to just do it on Discord. So if you are not a patron, uh, become one and uh, we yeah. can field questions. And if you, uh, you know, don't want to be a patron for whatever reason and still follow our show, uh, just follow us on Twitter and you might get a little Discord uh, invite to this one channel so that we can do the live stream there too. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Figure it out, guys. Don't. Hey, look. We're not here to do the work for you. All right. No, no. Figure. It, I mean, just, just come on. Be, be, a, be a patron. Like, yeah. pay, pay us money so we can keep doing this. It's fun. For the price of a uh, Coca Cola twenty ounce at my local convenience store, plus a bag of uh, Star Mix gummies, you could become a patron of our show of Seattle Sucks. And mm-hmm. uh, join the fold. Join our amazing Discord that now has separate channels on it. It's a real Discord channel now, folks. And now is... Uh, I couldn't follow it before. Now I really can't follow it. Too much activity. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. So become a oh, patron. Join our Discord. Do all the stuff. Another another, uh, another plug for our podcast is if you are newer to the show or if you just haven't yet i encourage you to rate our podcast on apple Podcasts or whatever you get your podcast it really helps us out a lot write a review we shout out to the person who wrote their review and uh it really warmed our hearts when we saw it so mm-hmm. love to see those it really helps us out it really helps us get on charts so um and get more listeners yeah if you write a review of our show, we will read it. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we will. Senpai will notice you. Yeah. When you write if it's a bad review. review, we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah. we, we, we will publicly harangue you on we'll, the show. We'll talk about it on our Patreon episode. So if you write a bad review, you have to become a patron. To hear about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and end it there. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night, Greg. Good night, Munya. Good night. Good night.